Hello, Marvelites who are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 581. I'm Ryan Pagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm the agent of holiday fun and joy, sparkles, snow. Sure. I'm, I'm the elf on the shelf. We don't do elf on the shelf. I hate elf on the, the shelf, to uh, be honest. <laughs> Not to rain on anyone's joy. Telling my child that someone is constantly watching her. And like creepily, just doesn't. Yeah, it's. Yeah, we don't even say that about Santa. It's like, eh, Santa. He just, you know, generally he wants you to be good, but he's not watching your every move and going to give you, you know, coal. Yeah, I don't need to blackmail children because I don't have any. <laughs> I will say this: blackmailing children for your own personal sanity is kind of the bread and butter of being a parent half the time. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Hey, everybody. I hope you're excited. You're having great holiday season because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or whatever we are excited about. I'm excited that it's snowed here. It's cold, but it's bright. But also, I'm really excited because we've got a great guest for the show today, Ben Brode, co-founder of Second Dinner, the game studio behind Marvel Snap, as well as a whole lot of Spider-Man. Thwip, 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 thwip. Yeah, I'm excited for y'all to hear from Ben. Ben is a character and I, I think he's great and everybody is loving Marvel Snap, which we'll talk about more later. But yeah, time to thwip, 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 Lorraine. So much spider stuff for us to get hyped about right at the top of the show because... First things first, early in the week, we got the release of the brand new Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse trailer. If you, dear listener, have not watched it. Oh boy. What? is your deal get your life together <laughs> please watch the trailer a billion times because it's so good yeah go and get out your spyglass and see how many spideys you can spidey spy from across the multiverse i mean i don't want to give too many away besides obviously we've seen some folks returning we prominently see spider-man 2099 but uh something that truly brought my heart joy is i saw a Spidey with a bag on his head. And if you've read a certain issue of Fantastic Four, you know why that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that was so oh, good. So good. Yeah, I got a little glimpse of a spider monkey jumping uh, at one point. <laughs> it was great. It's a good time to love a Spidey. And it gets even better because Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is coming to theaters June 2nd of 2023. But it is not alone. There will be yet another Spider-Man film, Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, that is coming just one short year later, March 29th of 2024. So that's pretty dang incredible. It's not often that you get two animated films like these coming back to back. I can't wait to see what happens from across to beyond. Mm -hmm. And look, next year, going to be pretty great if you're excited about Spider-Verse. But it's also going to be pretty great if you play video games because we now know officially that Marvel's Spider-Man 2 will launch in fall 2023 exclusively for PlayStation 5. We got a nice little message from Insomniac Games creative director Brian Intahar letting us know that he and the team are hard at work on Marvel Spider-Man 2. No more information right now. Just, just a little bit to let everybody know fall 2023 is going to be 
Amazing. Ooh, I like it. Also something amazing. Can you believe it? We're just barreling towards award season and we're starting to hear about lots of nominations that are going on in the world. And congratulations are in order for Marvel Studios Black Panther Wakanda Forever, who received two Golden Globe nominations. Congratulations to the Queen Angela Bassett on her Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actress in a Motion Picture for Marvel Studios Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And also congratulations to Thames. Rihanna, Ryan Coogler, and Ludwig Gordonson for their Golden Globe nomination for Best Original Song. And that is the song Lift Me Up that made us all feel all of the feelings. Of course, you can still <laughs> see Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda forever in theaters right now. And there's never been a better time to go. Heck yeah. All right, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about a cool prop store auction that is coming up real soon. We have some new items from Marvel's Defenders, which you can now watch streaming on Disney+. And it's all available from Prop Store. You can head over to PropStore.com to see all the cool stuff up for auction and more details about how to get into that sweet, sweet action and partake. Last auction, Ryan and I bought Fleshy, the twim toilet, the, mm -hmm. the heart, spirit, and lifeblood of the This Week in Marvel podcast. Um, you, the maybe flushing you heart can... of this show. <laughs> maybe you too can have your own accursed toilet. It's honestly just a joy. The auction isn't going to happen until January, but of course, there's no reason why you can't put it on your list now. What better way to say I love you for Valentine's Day to your sweetie than by getting a prop from this prop store auction. Go over to propstore.com and see all that exists that you might enjoy. And if you want to listen to an interview that we did with Brian Crosby and Chuck Costas for Marvel and Prop Store, respectively, go check it out. That was Around this time last year, that was the 28th of December, 21. So go check that out back in our feed if you want to hear a little bit more about what Prop Store is and all about it, or just head over there and get to bidden. Mm -hmm. Over the last week, our pals at Hasbro have revealed a whole bunch of really great new Marvel Legends figures. These are a bunch of X-Men figures coming in spring 2023. There is a brand new Marvel Legends series, The Blob, which is hey. awesome. He's looking so good. This is not the current version of our pal Blob, where he's got the, the mustache and tending bar on Krakoa. This is classic old school Blob. He looks great. On top of that, we've got a bunch of figures inspired by Uncanny X-Men number 275, which is classic X-Men era right before sort of everything changed for the X-Men. They split into the gold and the blue teams. A lot of stuff happened on Kenny X-Men 275. They have these really cool uniforms on. So we're getting Banshee, Gambit, and Psylocke in a three-pack, which is delightful, except for Gambit. <laughs> Look, Gambit's trash, but he has a cool bow staff. Banshee has his cape that helps him fly when he like sings. Ah, it, it propels it's him up. It's not quite singing, but yeah. Scre Let's call it singing, screaming. Lorraine. Okay, sure. And then you go with those, and then there's another three-pack in the same style from Uncanny X-Men 275. This is the one I really, 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 really want because it includes Storm with the haircut she had at the time was really cool and short. It's got Jubilee. She's got her pink glasses and blowing a bubble while she's chewing bubble Amazing. gum. But your boy, Forge, right there in the middle with his big... Super muscular robotic thigh. I've always thought that that was such an amazing choice where he's like, 
I need to have a prosthetic robotic thigh and leg here. I'm going to make it so swole looking that people are going to get jealous that I'm just like somehow making it stronger and stronger by working out. Plus a giant blaster and so much more. I love them. Yeah. And you can get both of those. They're available for pre-order now on Amazon and Big Bad Toy Store. But not to be outdone, there is also a rogue figure inspired by her appearance in Uncanny X-Men comics. And that includes the figure and then two entertainment-inspired accessories. That's also available over on Amazon if you want a pre-order. We love to see a rogue. Lots of good X-Men stuff going on in the world these days. Love to see it. The rogue figure is cool because it's in her green and black outfit. Big, giant southern hair, which I love. All of these are also available on HasbroPulse.com. Yeah. And speaking of Hasbro, just a quick shout out. There is a Star Wars Boba Fett figure from the Star Wars Vintage Collection. It's so cute. I love it. It's based on the vintage comic art. And that is also now on sale. If you didn't know, Marvel Comics used to make all the sweet vintage Star Wars comics back in the day. And a lot of them are available on Marvel Unlimited. So Mm -hmm. that's just a pro tip. I've been eyeing, there's a Star Wars Black Series protocol droid in Mm. holiday colors. It is basically (laughs) a C-3PO recolored in green, red, and white with a little tiny, another droid. I'm not sure what version it is, but it also looks like it's got candy canes for legs. It's tremendous. They're doing some really cool stuff over at Hasbro. Yeah, check out HasbroPulse.com or Marvel.com for lots of information on all these figures. Let's shift over to some comic stuff. Lorraine, we're getting a new Women of Marvel comic next year. Yeah, just in time for International Women's Month, we've got Women of Marvel number one, another new one shot that is coming on the 22nd of March. It's written by Melissa Flores from the Power Rangers and many, many, many more art by Jody Nishijima and and lots more. As you know, these one shots are beefy. They have a ton of collected stories by a ton of collected artists and writers. And they're just phenomenal. And they, of course, feature some of our favorite woman characters from the Marvel Universe, including folks like America Chavez, She-Hulk, Silk, and just a whole bunch more. Highly recommend putting it on your pull list for the new year. You got to do it. Mm-hmm. We have some great news for fans of amazing art. We have the artist Kafu, who is now exclusive to Marvel, which means he is going to be working just for us, which is great. Kafu hey. has done really, really great work over the last couple of years, uh, primarily on Valkyrie Jane Foster. He did a bulk of that run, and then he did probably about half the run of the most recent Iron Man series that wrapped up, written by Christopher Cantwell. Really cool stuff. He's got this kind of photorealistic vibe, but does some really interesting stuff with shading and colors and and all kinds of beautiful stuff. He's, he's an incredible artist. So Cafu is exclusive to Marvel. And then in March, he is going to be working on Venom number 17, written by Al Ewing. This is going to follow up on all the big stuff that's been going on with Eddie Brock and the Garden of Time and, and characters like Bedlam and all the versions of Eddie that are messing with other versions of Eddie. It's a real age of Eddie over there in Venom. And I can't wait to see what Kafu does. Hey, I love that. This next one is near and dear to my heart. In the words of the greatest song ever written, Howard the Duck. Uh. 
<laughs> um, Howard the Duck is turning 50, and we are celebrating 50 glorious years of that amazing quacker. Look out for a new variant cover that is going to come each month throughout the year of Howard teaming up with different Marvel heroes. And then, of course, the Howard the Duck Marvel Masterworks Volume 1 is now available, and Volume 2 is coming in May. I love Howard the Duck. Wank. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. Also, side note, we had to do a sound effect in Marvel Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show that was supposed to be Howard the Ducks went. And one of my favorite things ever was trying to explain to a sound designer what that sound was. And they were like, what is it? And I'm like, it's like, whack. <laughs> it's kind of close to a Wario sound effect now. I mean, yeah. Howard, obviously, as you just said, has been around for 50 years. So clearly, Wario has taken inspiration from Howard the Duck. He's the Wario of the Marvel Universe. That's what I always say. There's (laughs) no deeper truism I've heard this week. All right. Over on Marvel Unlimited, we have a new Infinity comic one shot we just announced coming on Christmas Eve, December 24th. There's actually a whole bunch of great comics coming out that week on Marvel Unlimited for our Infinity comics. But this Infinity comic is written by Carlos Hernandez with art by Zay Carlos and colors by Eric Arciniega. And it features Miles Morales learning to set limits as he struggles to catch a break from crime fighting on Christmas Eve. We will say there's a little trigger warning when you read this suicide plays a central role in the story, but this also kind of fits into the way Miles has been feeling lately in the comics, like overwhelmed. The first issue of the new Miles Morales Spider-Man story is really, really good, but you can tell that Miles is still a kid and the pressures of everything that he's going through are really like getting to him. So he has to lean on his support system and his family and his friends. Um, I'm glad we're able to tell these kinds of stories uh, with Miles and, and our characters. There is a sale going on right now. It kicks off today through the 2nd of January, perfect for the holiday season, over on the Marvel Comics app, offering over 80% off of classic digital trades and issues for Marvel's Masterworks collection. That is over 325 and counting collections on sale. First ever runs of the Avengers, Fantastic Four, the X-Men, Iron Man, Hulk, Spider-Man, a lot of folks. And there are just tons of great entry points and ways to read a series in its entirety and to own it digitally. So definitely go check that out. And a reminder, that sale is going on right now on the Marvel Comics app through January 2nd. You're welcome. Yeah, through this, you could probably read the entirety of Stanley and Jack Kirby's Fantastic oh, yeah. Four, Stan and Jack's X-Men, probably, because I know I have, I have the Masterworks versions of the entire Chris Claremont and John Byrne run of Uncanny X-Men. You probably get those. Uh, Stanley and Steve Ditko Spider-Man, so much more. Yeah, our Masterworks are great, great collections, so go check them out if you mm. read digitally. Speaking of digital things, we want to talk about Marvel's Wastelanders. It's the final series of the Marvel's Wastelanders audio epic, and this is the 10-episode weekly series out right now. Chapter 3, Heroes of Old of Marvel's Wastelanders is now available to subscribers on the SiriusXM app and Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. A little synopsis for this episode is... After breaking into Stark Tower, Wolverine and Black Widow encounter an old friend who gives them a shot at redemption, while Judy Stark employs the Mad Thinker to help plot a path to the post-Red Skull presidency. Let's listen to a teaser right now. 
If killing one person saves others, that's a trade I'll take any day. A trade I know all too well. Judy's not Red Skull. She's just got a lot of her father in her. Her father? Something you're not telling me? Judy's Arno's girl. Arno's start. By using AIM LMD tech without their knowledge, you can be in every small city at once, delivering the same speech. They'll fall for the very thing they despise, and you'll be Red Skull's successor, and the country will quickly unify under your presidency. Fantastic work, you bad bastard. We came here to sort this threat. He's the threat. He's who's gotten to Judy. You don't get to save everybody, Nat. Doesn't make us any better, just weaker. Killing him will only drive Judy deeper. There's no Hulk, that's the thing! It's clobbering time! Flame on! All right, of course, if you want to hear more, subscribe to the SiriusXM app or Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts to hear episodes one week early, and subscribers to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited will also have access to additional bonus content. Chapters 1 and 2 are also now available on Pandora, Stitcher, and all major U.S. podcast platforms. Learn more at SiriusXM.com slash Wastelanders. Do it! Also in the podcast realm, we, of course are still rocking it out with Women of Marvel. This week, we're talking about the first mother of Marvel, Sue Storm, specifically her relationship with her daughter, Valeria Richards. Of course, this whole season has talked a a lot about mentorship. And now in this series, talking about how Valeria is different in the Marvel's Wastelanders podcast universe when her mentor is Dr. Doom instead of her mother. Host Ellie Pyle, who also worked on the Marvel's Wastelanders projects, talks to artist Rachel Stott and Marvel's Wastelanders Doom, director Jade King Carroll about Sue and Valeria. And of course, you can listen to that also on SiriusXM, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. All right. One more podcast to put in your ear holes. Marvel's Pull This Podcast, the other show that I co-host, where we talk about every comic out every week. Give our picks. Our picks this week are, I should say, ours, but mine, because I ran solo this week. I'm talking about Amazing Spider-Man number 15 and Dark Web X-Men number one, in which Iceman, Spider-Man, and Firestar fight the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center. Love it. Peak holiday x-men marvel christmas stories all right you've got invincible iron man number one the brand new launch of that and monica rambeau photon number one all of those really really good loved them go check them out and our guest this week in our reading club is artist david nakayama who comes on to discuss the first six issues of the current x-men comic series it's the storyline the collection called fearless you can find it on marvel unlimited and then hear us talk to david about it because he's been doing a lot of variant covers some hellfire gala stuff he's just a delight so definitely listen to him on the show of course marvel's pull list is out every tuesday listen on the sirius xm app apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts hey that was a whole lot of news but we're not done yet i could go for seconds a second dinner if you will Ooh, very Ooh. good we are going to speak now with co-founder of Second Dinner, who worked on the incredible game Marvel Snap, Ben Brode. He gets to talk about how he designed the first version of the game using old business cards, testing new ideas with physical cards, and 
just lots about the incredible art in the game. Ryan, you did this one. You tell us about it. <laughs> Geeking out with Ben is fun. The first time I met him, we had to do um, some video stuff at New York Comic Con. And we just started cursing at each other and yelling and, and laughing and being stupid and fun. He's got this big personality. He's very excited about this game. You can tell the joy he's he's got creating stuff for Marvel Snap, whether it's helping come up with cards, powers, the gameplay, all the different bits and pieces that he and Second Dinner are doing with the Marvel Games team. It's it's infectious, and that's one of the many reasons why I love the game, and I know everybody out there is really digging Marvel Snap. So let's hear from Ben right now. Ben Brode, welcome to This Week in Marvel. We're going to talk about Snap. I'm very excited. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, that energy. It makes me so excited. There's so much about Marvel Snap that I'm excited to talk about and get into all kinds of stuff. Um, what is your Marvel origin story? How did you first uh, learn about the Marvel characters, become a fan? What was it for you? You know, I, I've been buying comic books for, for a very long time. There was a comic book store that was you know, a little bit of a hike from where I grew up. But my dad would take us on the weekends. We'd get to buy a comic book and some some Marvel trading cards. And so I started collecting Marvel trading cards a lot. That's how I got to know a lot of the early characters is through these, these trading cards. And when we started working on Marvel Snap, I went on eBay and I bought every set of Marvel trading cards that, <laughs> that I never got to complete a full collection of when I was a kid. And we like flipped through them and tried to get inspiration for characters or artists or uh, even just some of the art for variants. So, all right, where did you grow up and about what time period was this, early 90s? Yeah, so I grew up in Culver City. Yeah, early 90s. Yeah. You're like the third or fourth person I've talked to this month that we've had on the show or just talking casually who has had that trading card connection, which is so exciting for me because I'm similar to you. I can remember going through Marvel Universe Series 1, Series 2, Series 3 in particular, and the art on the front so good exposed me to like Arthur Adams and, and had oh, favorites yeah. of mine like Eric Larson and, and everybody else and all this stuff. And then... You had the the stats on the back, yep. and that was just so engaging. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That also helps me sort of figure out, ah, all this is connected. It's all coming back full circle for you, which is very exciting. I actually, I actually went and bought some sealed booster boxes of those old sets, and I'm going to do like a booster opening stream at some oh. point. Just to... oh. <laughs> it's so that much is, fun. That is joyous. That is wonderful. Of course, Marvel Snap is a great game. Do you remember the first video game you ever played or the first video game you ever fell in love with? First video game, I, I played a lot of the Atari my parents had a Atari and I got to play like Minor 2049er and Wizard of War and uh, games like that. There was a game, Seamus or something I played a mm -hmm. bunch of and, and uh, it was a bunch of old Atari games that I was like, it was my first kind of intro to video gaming. Nice. I also played a lot of board games and card games. My mm -hmm. dad had an incredible board game and card game collection. Uh, he had like a thousand board games. And this was in like, you know the 80s or something. This is not like during the boom of board games that we're, that we're in today. And so I used to have mandatory family game nights where I wasn't allowed to go out on Friday nights. I had to stay home and play games with the family. And uh, that's kind of where I, lot, I got a lot of my card game heritage from. What were some of the, the favorites from back then? We like to play like really long games. So we would go on vacations and play like six and a half hours of Advanced Civilization or Shogun or these other like giant games. Oh man. We just bought my daughter is three years old, so we're still we're starting to ease into board games. So we bought Connect Four 
and no, nice. Jenga. Nice. And Jenga, she she kind of gets, and she has a lot of fun with it. And so she's tip, 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 and pulling it. Connect four, she has no regard for any of the rules. She just wants to fill the board up <laughs> and then pull them all and drop them down. <laughs> it's like, all right, you're a little kid. You can do whatever the hell you want right now. It's fine. It's fine. All right, let's get into the Marvel snap of it all. Tell us, uh, for any of our listeners who somehow missed me talking about Marvel Snap vociferously for the last few months, what is Marvel Snap? It's the fastest card battler in the multiverse. It's uh, it's a super fun, super fast game for mobile and PC. It's a collectible card game. So, you know, if you ever liked those old trading cards from the 90s, it's like that. But you could play with the cards in a really fun way over, you know, about three minutes of gameplay. So... It's simple. You're just trying to get as many points as you can, like as much power as you can on your side of one of three locations. And if you can w- get more power than your opponent on two out of three of those locations, then you win the game. So it's really, really simple. But what's where it gets really deep is where you combine cards and create really interesting combos and get, get deeper into the strategy of the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm consistently surprised when I'm doing a match and somebody brings in a combo. I'm like... Oh, yeah, of course. That makes perfect sense. I hate this person for completely messing me up on round six with something that is just so great. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you know, a lot of times as designers, we don't design those combos. We just design cards to do interesting things. And then players surprise us by finding combinations that we didn't expect. Yeah. Let's go back again a little bit about your career and stuff. How did you start to get into the world of game design and making all kinds of really cool games? I've always loved games. I used to make games on my TIE2 calculator is kind of where I first started game development. And when I went to school, there was a, um, this person was like running kind of incubation companies out of their house. And so there was this like really scrappy video game company that was trying to make a massively multiplayer online text-based role-playing game for Nokia phones. It was not a good business model because you needed the internet. Nobody had internet on those phones. Yeah. And uh, so we didn't like do very much. But there was one guy there who left that company for a job at Blizzard Entertainment uh, working night crew QA. And I was like, yo, I'm up till 4 a.m. playing video games anyway. That sounds like a great job. And it just turns out Blizzard was like, you know, within walking distance from where I was living. So I, and I had no idea. So I, I was working at a pizza place because it was night crew. There weren't that many places open. So they I like stayed open a little late and would deliver the last pizzas out of the place when I shut the place down over to Blizzard for their lunch at 10 p.m. And I got to know some of the folks over there through that. So when they opened a position for more QA testers, I was uh, I was one of the first to apply and got the job. So that was how I got my foot in the industry, was working 7 p.m. to 4 a.m. on uh, Warcraft 3, the Frozen Throne expansion. And then through there, I, I started working on, got involved in creative development, got making card games. I worked on the World of Warcraft trading card game. And that kind of catapulted me into a role on Hearthstone, which was, uh, I was the first game designer on Hearthstone and eventually became the game director on that game, you know, where I made my, you know, my first mark in, in digital card games. Nice. I was a tester for a little more than a summer at Acclaim back in... Oh, nice. Yeah. Being a QA tester is a very difficult thing to do. You have to have the right disposition for like going over something over and over and over again and trying to find things and sort of sacrificing some of your interests around playing. There's just certain things about being on that QA team, which is super important, but is a difficult thing. And also, I was just an idiot teenager. So like, (laughs) you know, it is what it is. It was cool. It was it was really fun getting that 
peek into into games but um, yeah a lot of people don't quite understand what qa does but like when i worked on world of warcraft i was one of the environment leads and my job was to just like run into every surface to make sure that my character couldn't run through a wall so i'm just kind of like bumping into every <laughs> you know that's it's not a glamorous job but, no. but it's really important it matters a lot incredibly important because you don't want someone falling through a wall when they're yeah. at home on their couch <laughs> playing your game that's yeah, uh, exactly. not the right thing I loved it. I had a really great time in QA, Good. but, uh, you know, I like being a detective in some ways. Yeah, right. So like I'm saying, there's a certain mindset. If you have that for it, then bam, you can do really cool things yep. and lead you to great stuff like forming your own company. <laughs> Tell us about Second Dinner and what your role as chief development officer is. Yeah, so you know, after about 10 years on Hearthstone, Hamilton Chu, who was the, who was the executive producer on Hearthstone for that, that period, and you know, helped kickstart Hearthstone from the very beginning. And I decided to you know, spin out and, and try something new. And it was a little scary, you know? Like I, I, I didn't imagine myself ever doing this kind of thing, but it, we got really lucky. I mean, just unbelievably lucky. We got, you know, incredible partners. Obviously Marvel is like an unbelievable partner for a tiny little studio to be able to work with. And uh, just like the most amazing folks, like one after the other kept applying for roles. And, and we just built this incredible team that were just, it's just unbelievable how good the team is. And so it's been like, you know, what could have been a really stressful journey has actually been just a delight. You know, it's been, we've been super lucky every step of the way and it's been just wonderful. It's been fun. How did it all come together with Marvel? You know, you say, oh, we were very lucky, you know, this, but like there's pieces that have to fall into place. You know, you, you guys, you and the team come with a certain pedigree of your previous work. There's stuff there. And so I would assume, you know there's a, a connection that you find with the Marvel. Yes, right. So the guy who runs uh, Marvel Games, Jay Ong, he used to work at Blizzard with Hamilton and I. So when he left Blizzard to take the reins at, at Marvel Games, he said, you know, Marvel Games should be great. You know, every one of them should be great. Because then every single person, you know, who plays a Marvel game says, oh, I, I want to play another one. This is what happens with Marvel movies. Every single one of them is amazing. And so you've got to see the next one. You know it's going to be awesome. And uh, they've done an incredible job there, right? Like, you know, Spider-Man on PS4, unbelievable. The Guardians of the Galaxy game that came out recently, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, like the hit after hit from the Marvel Games team and the studios they're working with. And so he, you know, was trying to find more partners who he felt like could really do a great job making awesome Marvel games, especially on mobile. And, you know, he'd worked with us and, and saw our work on Hearthstone. And so he said, hey, if you guys spin up something new, I'd love to be a part of it. And uh, took a big chance on a small little studio, but... Uh, you know, we're really, really grateful they did. The Marvel Games team, by the way, holy moly, those guys are unbelievable. Everybody there is so, so good. They care so much about making great games. They're just incredible collaborators. They obviously know Marvel backwards and forwards. And just it's been such an incredible experience working with them. Yeah, they deserve all their flowers. And you deserve that big briefcase full of money for what you've said about them. <laughs> um, the Hearthstone of it all, you know, which, which is cool. I dabbled in a little bit and I was like, I am not a big card battle collector player necessarily. And what draws you to these kinds of card games? Like both as you mentioned a little bit of some of your history and, and that, but as a designer and, and trying to make these types of games, what draws you to making them? I guess first I'll say, I understand your experience with Hearthstone and traditional card games traditionally are quite quite complicated. That's why part of why we made Marvel Snap so different in this way, so easy to get into, is we think a lot of people who never really gave card games a try or kind of bounced off them would love Marvel Snap. But from my, my personal experience in design, I, I used to design 
card games on the back of my dad's business cards. He would bring his business cards home and I would design card games on. I've always loved designing card games. There's something about, you know, a simple set of rules and a simple set of cards that balloons out into this really interesting emergent gameplay where you're combining things together and creating interesting solutions that I've always been really drawn to. And the collectible aspect is, is also a piece that's very different than other games. I've always loved board games and, and card games, but collectible card games has this whole other thing. Collecting is so fun, playing games is so fun, it combines both those joys together. So actually, when I started getting, when I got that first QA job at Blizzard, I kept all my business cards. And uh, when we, we started working on a new project here, I did my first designs for cards on the back of my business cards for my first job. So Marvel Snap was designed in the same way that I've always designed card games on the back of business cards. As a fan now, you you know, stepping back from, well, I, I guess you're not really stepping back. You are in the weeds of making one, but do you have favorites? Do you look at other games and, and sort of like dive into other games or do you need to separate yourself because that feels like work when you're looking at other games? No, I play a lot of the games. I, I still play a lot of Magic the Gathering, which is, you know, not for everyone because it is one of the most complicated games ever, but it is for someone who's been playing it for 27 years or whatever. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> I still play and collect and uh, enjoy Magic. I, I still play lots of other games. It's part, you know, part of what makes a good game designer is, you know, having a huge toolkit from which to draw from and, and playing other games is the way in which you build that toolkit, right? It would be like a, a film director not watching other movies, right? Like it's just, uh, you're just not going to have as many techniques, you know, because you haven't been exposed to as much film. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time as designers, anytime a new game comes out, especially a new game in our genre, we always play every one of them and try and, you know, learn what we can from them. And you know, sometimes even, you know, games that we don't think are that good actually have a lot to teach us about risks that people have taken that didn't pay out or that there's something really exciting in, in a game that wasn't that fun or something that can, you know, we can think, oh, maybe if we did this a little differently, it would be fun. And so, yeah, we play a lot of games. I played a lot of card games in my life, especially digital card games. Nice. There's just something fun about these imaginative new ways to tell these, because you, you are telling some stories through all this. Even on in Marvel Snap, there's fun ways to like, I don't know, I guess that's the role player in me is wanting to like talk about why I chose to put Doom in here at this point and, and how he factors in with, you know, Agent 13 and why Falcon came in and Beast and all this stuff and how they came together as a team. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. You know, now that the game is widely available, it's great because we get to see people playing it all the time. But there was a beta period for the game, which, you know, is when I jumped in and that was a few months that allowed players around the world some time to, to get in there, kick the tires, see what was going on, what the game was mm -hmm. was like. And I remember like getting an update and then being like, whoa, this changed like a lot had evolved over time. How from your perspective, have you looked at it as as it's evolved from that first iteration, whatever it was for you guys to where we are now? I mean, the game has changed in some ways a lot, in some ways not that much. Like from the very beginning, we knew we wanted to have three locations, simultaneous turns, cost, power, one card type. And so like that first prototype with uh, my, my business cards, you know, there's some cards that are almost exactly the same from then. What we spent a lot of time on is, you know, how, how many turns, you know, how does the cube actually work? We spent a ton of time on the snapping mechanic where you can double down to try and you know, win more cubes off your opponent, try and bluff your opponent out of the game. We knew that was like the first mechanic we came up with. That was Hamilton's idea. But like the actual implementation of that was just really like a challenge for us. We spent a long time figuring out how to do that right. And then trying to figure out, you know, how players should get cards and, and what the meta progression should look like. And, you know, we spent a lot of time. And, you know, this was over the last four and a half years to get to this moment, to get to launch. But it's not like the end. 
This is, in a lot of ways, this is the starting line. This is where it all begins. We have so much more to add to Marvel Snap. We want, you know, we want to do a little battle against friends. We want to do cool competitive modes and other cool game modes. We have just so much we want to do with this game. We're really excited to, now we get to collaborate with players on doing it too. So we can, you know, ask players what they want to see and, and build it together. It's exciting. The snap mechanic is is fun. It adds something. There's a level of strategy to it. Are you or, or Hamilton, are you one of those players that immediately hits the snap and then spam the uh, snap chat <laughs> line? Because I, I get some of those every once in a while. And it's like, bro, you're not intimidating me. I get what you're trying to do. You want the quick win. Let's see where this goes. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm a lot more tactical with the snap. And Hamilton is retreats much more often than I do. In our first games, you know, we were playing physically around a table with the business cards. And uh, we were keeping track of the total cubes won or lost. And we were trying to think, you know, we can kind of trick ourselves into imagining these cubes matter in this world where it's just us sitting at a table. But we need some kind of actual stakes so I can actually bluff you. And the version Hamilton proposed was that the winner got to slap the loser the number of times equal to the number of cubes that they had over the other player. And I was like, listen, Hamilton, you're like a thousand cubes up on me right now. You're not going to slap me a thousand times. That's ridiculous. Yeah. When you're talking about working through the evolution of certain things and you're you're trying to get that balance, the fun, the timing right, the snap things, what is it that helps you? Is it just the collaborative experience of working with the team or seeing new users try it out? What is it that really helps you you guys at Second Dinner figure out this is the direction we go, even though maybe we were thinking it was this. This is where we have to go. Yeah, it's impossible to tell if a design is good or bad. You have to play with it. Until you play with a design, it's just... You can't tell if it's good or not. The trick for us was just doing lots of play tests. We were always, you know, making a quick update and then calling someone else over and saying, okay, how does this feel to you? And then we would do with the whole team play tests twice a week. So we'd all get together and try it out. And, you know, a lot of the time, the thing we tried didn't work. <laughs> and like, you know, before you play test it, there's a lot of argument. Is this going to be awesome? We should try this. It's going to be super cool. And then as soon as the play test happened, everyone was like, oh yeah, that, did, that didn't work. <laughs> it's like <laughs> obvious once you actually play with it. My current deck, usually play a deck where I just am, am a jerk, but my current deck is, I, I just called it Bye Bye Bye, and it's a discard deck, and my obsession right now is Hellcow, because I love Hellcow. Oh, who yeah. doesn't love yeah. Hellcow? She's amazing. <laughs> my co-host Lorraine who was very excited, because Bessie is, is a great character, and, and I have three versions of Hellcow in the game, but Hellcow... <laughs> has four cost and six power, which I was, I'm like, great. She is, she's a heavy hitter for me. She's great. How do you on the team decide how much power each character has, what their cost is, their special abilities, all that stuff? Yeah, there's a bunch of ways to to approach card design. So, you know, traditionally card games, they have like the name at the top and then the art and then the, like the text at the bottom. And so one way to design cards is to design top down where you come up with the name of the character. You're like, okay, we're going to design Nightcrawler because obviously Nightcrawler should be in the game. And then you design the text at the bottom. And okay, what should Nightcrawler do? Oh, he should like bamf around other locations. Obviously, he should like move around. And uh, the other way to design is bottom up where you design the text first. You're like, okay, you know what this game needs? It needs a card that removes the abilities of the next card you play. Because I want to like make some really cool downside cards, but I want players to work around them. And then you're like, okay, who does that kind of thing? What kind of character in the Marvel Universe like has power nullification abilities? And then we go on the Superpowers Wiki and we write power nullification. And there's like a huge list of every Marvel character who ever has had that power. And they're like, oh, you know, Zero is kind of a cool character. I don't know too much about him. We'll go, you know, do a bunch of deep research, read some comic books, and find out more. And then say, okay, yeah, that actually that actually works. 
But uh, we start from one of those two directions. How can we best represent this character's unique abilities in the game? And we just kind of let it come to us and try some stuff out and see if it actually uh, sticks. Love it. I mean, what were we, 150 or so characters? Yeah, somewhere around there, yeah. Point? And you guys are, I believe, adding more all the time. Yep, yep. Is there anything where you, you have to like talk to Marvel and be like, hey, we want to use XXXX character. And they're like, nobody knows this character. Nobody knows this character. Nobody knows this character. Yes, 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 yes. What is that <laughs> that discussion like? Yeah, I mean, for some of these characters, we're like, hey, can we use this character? And they're like, what? <laughs> Literally, nobody has ever asked to use that character before. So we have to go like dig through the old contracts and make sure that like that's cool. And they do. They go through and they get like all the, the rights squared away. And we're like, all right, we'll be the first game ever that is used, you know, so and so. So it's been it's been really fun. This is part of the Marvel magic, I think, is it's not just about Iron Man, Spider-Man, these top tier characters. It's about the world of Marvel. It's about the whole universe. And uh, everyone's got like this method by which they learn about a new character and it becomes their new favorite character. And so, you know, just putting in the top tier pantheon of characters isn't isn't like selling the fantasy of the Marvel multiverse, right? So we intentionally, and this is through Marvel's guidance, was like, hey, put in a bunch of deep cuts. Players love that stuff. They love like the, you know, recognizing some characters and then that deepens their love with the Marvel universe when they start to get to know Infinite and Hellcow and these other characters. I love it. I actually saw an article, the writer of the article, Susanna Polygon, she wrote about how like none of her coworkers are asking her about the characters. And she's like, this character you don't know about, you're asking me strategies, but let me tell you about this character's backstory. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, "Yeah, we need to figure out more ways to to get people to to, like read the books that these characters are showing up in because they're bonkers and they're wonderful in so many ways. They're incredible. Similarly, the game is, of course, chock full of cool locations. And, you you know, you mentioned the three locations that are in each match. And each of the locations has their unique gameplay modifiers. Some are just straight mean, which I absolutely love. They're just the best. Was it is a similar situation or how did you develop those in particular? Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of really iconic locations like the Daily Bugle, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's like a lot of locations that are just not that iconic, but you know, there's something about them that's really unique that like inspires us to create new cool designs. So what we start off with is like the Marvel Encyclopedia. So you know, I, we got that giant, <laughs> you know, hardback book, and we just start flipping through it, getting inspiration, right? And anytime someone mentions like you know, someone's origin stories from a location or something. We're like, oh, let's write that down. And when we find really unique stories about really unique locations, that that's often good bedrock for designing cool stuff, inspires us in unique ways. You know, hey, this is Ego, the living planet. Like, how would a, a location that's alive work differently than every other location? Oh, maybe he like takes control of your hand and plays your cards for you, you know? And this inspiration that exists in the Marvel universe bubbles up into new location designs. Yeah. One thing we haven't talked about yet, the incredible artwork in the game. And I would love for you to explain a little bit about how what's created in-house by the team, what's created new by amazing Marvel artists, what's pulled from the comics, how that all that ecosystem works. Yeah. So listen, that all stems from our art director, Jamaro Kindred. He's just an incredible art director. He's got such deep roots in comics, art, and uh, in just incredible illustration. And so he... Uh, with the help of uh, a bunch of folks, 
including Johnny Erner, put together like just this huge group of just unbelievable all-stars to do a ton of new art for this game. Every base card has got brand new art. And then we take it and make it 3D, like a 3D model it basically for these incredible 3D effects as you level up your cards, they turn 3D. So it just looks absolutely bonkers. And then we have these cool variants, right? So it's not just about, you know, this one version of the card, but you can get, you know, Spider-Man, you can get Black Suit Spider-Man, you can get Pixel Variant Spider-Man, you can get Scarlet Spider, you can get tons of these different versions of the characters you love. And then we also went through the Marvel back catalog and picked our favorite covers throughout history and made variants of those and did the 3D modeling of those. So this is like the coolest way to see some of your favorite of all time Marvel covers now in 3D in Marvel Snap. Do you have some favorites, either a favorite variant set or, you know, maybe some that uh, you're excited for fans to see because you get to see deeper into what's coming? Yeah. So my favorite variants, I, I, Dan Hip is this incredible artist. Love and he does Dan. A bunch the of Amazing Joy Buzzards. <laughs> Everybody should go out and read the Amazing Joy Buzzards that Dan drew years ago. Yeah. He, his variants for Marvel Snap are so delightful. I'm just, I'm super into it. I love seeing Scotty Young's art uh, as variants. There's a specific variant that's for an unreleased card right now. We have a, a King the Conqueror card that we're going to release at some point. But uh, we did a variant. We did kind of like a series of band variants. And Kang's band variant is DJ Kang the Conqueror. He's in outer space, <laughs> you know, spinning the tables. It's, uh, it's incredible. It's one of my absolute favorite variants. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, we were talking about the Marvel Universe cards. For the comics, we have a variant program that we've been running this year where they've taken the borders and the the designs of the 90s Marvel Universe cards, turned them into variant covers. Yeah, we look at every, literally every Marvel comic that comes out and we're like, could this be a rad variant? We're commissioning so many variants. We basically make like 20 variants a month or something right now. We're just like, we have like a giant team of artists and back catalog art that we're going through and 3 dfying you know, every week. I love it. You kind of touched on this a little bit, but as we wrap up here, you know, if you, you were to talk to someone who's never played a card battler, a card collector game, what's your pitch to them to get them to try Marvel Snap? It's really a love letter to Marvel, right? This is made by a bunch of folks who love Marvel so much through all of its forms, the movies, the old, you know, X-Men cartoons, the comics. It's so fun to see these characters, you know, represented in this totally new way, right? And then it gets into your head, like... Like we were talking about, it's just like you start thinking about, like, oh, what would this character do in this game? Or how would this character work? And it's, it's so much fun. It's so easy to learn. It's not like a chore <laughs> to learn this game. You can just pick up and play right away. And uh, it's super fast. So just kind of, you can do it anytime, right? It's just uh, a super fast game. And I think players are going to love it. Before we go, what's your current go-to sort of build out your deck that you got going on? Oh, I, I'm very mean. So I'm playing Green Goblin. I'm playing uh, Debris and Hazmat oh, uh, to try and give you a bunch of cards and then give them all minus one power. The Hood, who is mm -hmm. mi minus two power, but he gives you like an incredibly powerful demon when you play him. So he hurts you for a little bit. But then I'm playing Viper, who gives one of your cards to an opponent. So it gives the Hood over to them. <laughs> and then uh, you get the benefit from playing Hood, but they have to deal with the minus two power on their side. So... It's a pretty rude deck, but I'm That's the I'm dream really deck right it. there. That's my favorite. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, I also love throwing a Killmonger in there, knowing that oh, yeah. like I hold my one cost cards until I after I throw Killmonger in there. So the other person is just like laid out their most of their deck and I just like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> Killmonger's rude. The other deck I'm playing a lot of is kind of a, a gotcha deck. So I play Invisible Woman, and Invisible Woman makes the rest of your cards 
like at that location, they don't flip over to the very end of the game. She kind of makes them invisible. She hides them to the end of the game. And then I, at that location, I play on turn four, Omega Red, who if you have more than 10 power here than your opponent, he gives the other locations plus four power. So he's like, if you like dominated a location, he gives you some extra power to the other locations. I play Iron Man on turn five, which doubles my power there. And then on turn six, I play Onslaught, who doubles all the ongoing effects. So uh, Omega Red triggers twice. Iron Man triggers twice, so I definitely win that location. And then, surprise, I got plus eight power at the other two locations. And it all happens, like, without them knowing at all what's going on because it's kind of hiding under Invisible Woman. So it's a pretty fun deck. <sighs> I feel like a Padawan now, and you are the Jedi Master. <laughs> Thank you for this. This was good. I'm going to take these strategies and just go be an a- to a whole bunch of other players <laughs> in the best way possible, but I'll probably still lose a good... That's the, the best part. You can come in with any of your strategies, any of your things, and every time it's going to be a different match. And you may not win that one because somebody else has something that beats you. It's real fun. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Ben. Hell, oh, man, it's been so much fun talking about Marvel Snap and all this stuff. Thank you so much for having me. There you have it. Go and download Marvel Snap on your mobile device and get to play and you'll never catch up with me and Ryan. (laughs) There are people way further ahead than me, but still, I'm in like 2200 collection level. It's a lot. It's worth it. It's so fun. It's a real good time. Also a good time getting here from all of y'all as we go into the community section. Now we've got our question of the week for next week to keep in mind. Next week, we are going to be looking back at the year in Marvel. It'll be a little This Year in Marvel episode. Light on news, big on remembering all the cool stuff and sharing our favorite moments of the year. So our question of the week is, what was your favorite Marvel moment in 2022. And by moment, we mean could be a film, an original series, a comic book, a game, something that happened within those things. What's your favorite Marvel thing, period, of 2022? I'm thinking wistfully of all of the good moments. You know, of course, like the first thing that comes to mind is, of course, She-Hulk twerking or Kamala Khan talking to her dad and making me sob or Scarlet Witch clawing her way through a hallway to Danny Elfman's score. There's just so much that just like doesn't even scrape the surface of all of the comics and games and things that we've done this year. I'm glad we have a whole episode because honestly, we need it to talk about just all of the stuff that's happened. And I think people will be surprised how much stuff that was this year. Yeah, (laughs) You're going to have your mind blown. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah, there's a ton of great stuff. We're going to go through all those favorite things. If I had to pick one, it would just be selfishly my cameo in Marvel Studios, Ms. Marvel, because... Oh, I haven't heard you mention that before. No? Oh, let me tell you a little bit (laughs) about it. You can tweet us your answers using the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com. Or you can send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. And of course, as always, tell us if it is quote unquote okay to read on the show because we like to read them on the show like we're going to do right now, babies. Mm-hmm. Question of the week last week was, what is your favorite card to use in Marvel Snap? So first up, Karis Pollard at A. Karis Pollard tweeted, only one card? Possibly Nova, because he's Nova and it works in my deck, but the most satisfying is Heimdall as it messes with the opponent's strategy. Ooh. Next up, we got one from Super 7-5 at Super 7-5 that said, My favorite card is Spider-Woman. She's strong while also diminishing the power of opposing cards. Great to use late in the match. Mm-hmm. Raph at Scarwitchy tweeted, My favorite cards are Doctor Doom, 
Devil Dinosaur, and Onslaught, especially when you play it in Bar Sinister with Iron Man. Oof. Oof. You're just racking up points right there. That's a lot. Next up, we got Wolver Steve at Wolver Steve, who said the best and my favorite card has to be Wolverine, right? He's awesome and useful. Wolver Steve could not be biased. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly. Jonathan at JT underscore Frykowski says Cap is super helpful for that extra boost of power at a location. Totally agreed. Alan Bowie at Kid Bowie said my favorite card has to be Sandman. Four cost, one power card. He stopped my opponents from playing so many cards for their combo and helped me with the mission of winning locations with less than 10. I love how people are like giving away their strategy tips. I know. I love it. Man, Sandman is such a a great jerk card. Kudos to you. (laughs) I love a good jerk card. Arturo at Mr. Toybox says, I'm a sucker for Magneto, especially in combo with Kingpin. Ooh, ooh, a Kingpin-Magneto combo can be deadly, but if somebody has already filled up that location, you kind of like lose the power of what Magneto does. Just saying, just saying. Next up, we got RyanF1999 at RyboyF2 who said... I love the combo of White Tiger and Odin. They make a powerful team together. Ryan, you got to throw Wonger in there. You get Wong in there first. <laughs> He's power cost four. Then you throw White Tiger. Boom, you get two Tigers. Then you get Odin. You get two more Tigers. Boom, boom, boom. Tiger, 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 baby. Yeah. Oh, it's so much fun. Daniel Blaze at Daniel Blaze 411 says, Claw and Morph, my favorites. I constantly have a use for them. The latter backfires sometimes, but it's worth it overall. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Next up, RG at Xander Invictus, who said, Death has become one of my faves. Being able to play her for zero, then drop another huge card right behind her, right behind is great. Then another huge card, turn six, chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got some emails in here this week. An email from Jim. Jim says, I started Marvel Snap on global release and quickly became addicted. I'm a big fan of 90s X-Men, so I was thrilled to see that not only was Onslaught in the game, but that it can be such a powerful game ender. Shout out, I just picked up Galactus from the collector store, and I get a thrill every time I play the big purple planet eater. The animation fills the screen and destroys almost everything for a surprising win out of nowhere. I now have the purple people eater song stuck in my head and why isn't there a purple planet eater song the end it's a great question all right moving on (laughs) an email from mitch it says hello ryan and lorraine i'm usually a marvel's pull list emailer but i've been listening to twim for a while now too and had to say something about marvel snap i love marvel snap i've been playing every day since global release and i am so impressed it's been so fun To answer the question, though, I am very fortunate to acquire Patriot and Ultron early. I think Ultron might be my favorite card at the moment because I can go from looking like I'm not doing anything to exciting to taking over the whole board at the last possible moment. Thank you for such a wonderful game. I always look forward to each session and new development. Mitch. Yeah. Ooh. We've got an email from Mika Garg who says, Dear Twim Team, I'm back answering questions of the week. And for the week of November 18th, here's what I think about the question. What was the Marvel gift you would like to give or receive for the holidays? Giving a Marvel superfan Marvel merch as a gift for the holidays is genuinely one of the most thoughtful things to do. But I think the ultimate gift could possibly be a Funko Pop of their all-time favorite character. 
Another amazing option could be a subscription to Marvel Unlimited or Disney Plus for anyone who doesn't have one. These would make anyone's Christmases. Love the podcast this week, as always. I feel like I have to say this, dear listeners, we did not pay Mika <laughs> to say to say those wonderful things about MU or Disney Plus. That's just those are their own perspectives and opinions, and they are correct. Yeah, absolutely right. 10 out of 10, no notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of no notes, we got to go. This episode of This Week of Marvel is produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. And Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Special thanks to Spidey's, Heidi's, Spidey, Spider-Man's, Spider-Fran's. He loves Fran's. They're the best. Spider friends. I'm Ryan. Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. Spider friends. Spider friends. Spider man. Spider friends.